Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you sinful seducers, and welcome to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm that bitch that never shuts up, Little Leah, and with me as always is uh, Carla, who's a lot smarter than me. Well, that's not true. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what my comeback to that is, though. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That it's, fucking was it's like, you know, it's almost three in the afternoon on a Wednesday that we record this. Our brains are done. And yep. I'm hoping you're smarter than me at this point. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a long show. <laughs> the cold is freezing my brain cells, you know. Seriously. And ever since the time change, I mean, I've been waking up at 4.30 forever. And like maybe a week before the time change, I started waking up at my old school 5.30 again. <laughs> but now I'm waking up at 4.30, which was really 3.30. And then by 5 o'clock when it's dark, I'm like, it feels like I've been awake forever. So I really do have no brain cells at, you know, almost 3 o'clock on a Wednesday. I am waking up super early too, and I'm starting to be annoyed. Like, this is too early. I love work, waking up early. I've, that's always been me, but like 4.30, like, fuck off. Is this perimenopause? Yeah, that's, it's like four o'clock. Why, why the fuck? Yeah, no, well, now I know I can early. text you that early and be like, watch this TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> I try to wait till at least seven before I bug you with something. <laughs> or I go over to like Messenger to see if you're online. I'm like, oh, that bitch is up. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're spying on me. Well, I don't want to like, I don't know if you sleep with like a, your notifications turned off. or your Oh, no, I'm in sleep with it in airplane mode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, well, yeah. now you're going to wake up to books worth of shit someday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If there's an emergency, I'm not going to know. Also, Carla is really horrible at answering messages. She showed me her notifications and I'm like, I have like notification OCD and I'm like, I, I got to make it go to zero. I got to make that go away. Like how many you got right now? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Uh, I have, sorry, uh, 28 unopened messages. Jesus Christ. How do you function? Text, 28 unopened texts. And I, I don't know. I just like. So if you're in Carla's life and you're like, that bitch never gets back to me. I just outed her right now. <laughs> Not because I don't love you. I just sometimes it just too. It's too much, man. <laughs> Somebody listening must feel me. <laughs> No, there has to be. I'm just like, we're like the two like opposites of the spectrum here. I'm like, I need to get rid of all these notifications. And you're like, man, fuck it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. There's some in there that are months old that I just. Oh, my God. <laughs> just do yourself a favor and go in there and open it. And then it gets rid of the. I know. Occasionally number. I do do that. You're not going to respond to them. Like. <laughs> or then I have to really grovel. No, they just they don't turn on your read receipts, you know. Oh, I don't have that on. Oh, my God, are yeah. you kidding? Yeah, then you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Know. You can open it. They won't know it's open. Right. Wow, yeah. that's an epic, epic downward spiral. And I think before we've even like gotten to it, probably nobody's time. interested in any of it. So we're just going to move forward now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Sorry. there's some people out there who like to hear us talking shit. But, you know. Today's actually a listener 
request, uh, combining some of our favorite things, deep diving into the history, sex, naughty behavior, and living outside of societal norms. Our topic today is swinging. The most common interpretation of swinging refers to a form of consensual non-monogamy within the realm of romantic and sexual relationships. It's an act where singles, partners, and groups engage in sexual activity, sharing one one another for recreational purposes. Oh, I like this, for recreational purposes. So in a nutshell, <laughs> swinging is about having sex with other people. The people may not know each, each other well, partially or not at all, uh, but all engage in some extent. For example, masturbation, penetration, watching, etc. So swinging often happens in a social or club setting. And the main idea is that these activities are consensual and agreed upon by all parties involved. Carla, you know what to do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I was going to be a smart I do that. When you said recreational purposes, I thought, oh, maybe this could be included like in a YMCA brochure. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see a bunch of adults on like swings and they're super fucking right. happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. Wee. Maybe one day. Um, okay. Yeah. So we're going to just delve into a little bit of the background here. So uh, swinging probably started, you know way back thousands and thousands of years ago when we were living in caves and we just did a lot of sexual swapping. We talked about that, um, the sex and evolution piece, and we talked about how there was a lot of that happening. So probably, you know, it's been happening since humans were doing the deed. And historically, it's not uncommon to find societies that have advocated having multiple sexual partners. And these examples are not always exactly what we think of today as like swinging, which is kind of a more modern term, but it it's what I'm going to share now is just to show more of a historical example of non-monogamous relationships. So, you know, of course, we go back to ancient Greece and they were known for their more permissive attitudes for sexuality. So in ancient Greece, there was a practice known as, and I'm going to mess this up, uh, pederastia, where an older man called the Erastes would form a mentorship and sexual relationship with the younger man, the Eromenos, and that was considered pretty common, even for uh, men who were married. Um, really? In society, yeah. Just just going out, honey. I've got to go get my mentee and sexual, sexual. Yeah. Teenage boys. That was a thing. Ugh. Yeah. Um, in Roman society, sexual practices uh, were often a lot more fluid than they were in the centuries that came afterwards. And so there was the concept of senedi, which referred to men who both enjoyed giving and receiving sexual favors. And of course, uh, we have all heard about the Roman orgies that were known for their sexual excesses. Um, I remember as a kid reading Asterix and Obelix, and there were always these kind of like references to orgies, not the sexual pieces, of course, because this was a comic strip for kids. I was like, what? I don't remember that. <laughs> no, they would just eat a lot. Well, they had the vomitorium too, right? You know, they would just overeat and have lots of sex and then puke and all those things. Um, in Hinduism, there's the practice of polyandry. Uh, there's some historical roots there where a woman can have multiple husbands. And, you know, also in many Polynesian cultures, they have historically practiced various forms of non-monogamy. For instance, in Tahiti, the concept of that fahi allowed women to have multiple sexual partners. 
Um, but if we go back to Europe, so pretty much we had the Romans who were doing the stuff. And then we had all of these years of being extremely chaste and not a lot happening, although I'm sure it did. But lots of uh, really bad consequences for women if they chose to to have sex uh, outside of the marriage with their husband. But uh, just for, worth noting is that during the time of um, the Queen Marie Antoinette uh, in the 1700s, orgies were all the rage. Let them um, have their cake and eat it too. Yes. But also, I think when she was on trial, uh, her sexual history was definitely brought up and used oh, against her. Oh, of course. Her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I always have to make mention of the Victorians. So, because <laughs> <laughs> it's my thing. Uh, and this era, of course, there were strict moral codes and monogamous ideals. But there was a huge hidden undercurrent of sexual experimentation and non-monogamy. Um, and there was an emergence at that time of secret swinger clubs. They weren't called that, but that's, you know, effectively what they secret were. And swingers. <laughs> and discreet sexual gatherings. Um, so even though everything was just so repressed, there was a definitely a huge desire for more sexual freedom. Well, I'm glad that all these people were bumping uglies together in joyful ways throughout the dawn of man. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> I'm not surprised either. Uh, but if we go with the modern interpretation of swinging, according to Car Terry Gould's uh, The Lifestyle, A Look at the Erotic Rights of Swingers, swinging began among U.S. Air Force pilots and their wives during World War II. Oh, shit. This is great stuff you've found here, Carla. I'm already loving this. So... <laughs> In this small community, the, mora uh, the mortality rate among pilots was significantly high. Gould reports that a close bond between pilots arose with the implication that the husbands would protect and care for all the wives in their own, both emotionally and sexually, if the husbands were away or lost. Uh, by the time the Korean War ended, these groups had spread from the bases to nearby suburbs. The media picked up on them in 1957 and promptly dubbed the phenomenon wife swapping. Oh, I didn't know any of this. Oh, my God. Supposedly, there were also key clubs where husbands reportedly tossed their house keys into a pile of the center of the room where they were drawn at random by the wives. The owner of the selected key was then the sexual partner for the evening, although it is thought that the whole idea of key party is actually an urban myth. What? Really? Yeah, I think that I read that it's been debunked that it's just an urban myth. Now, I'm sure people have done key parties, but I think this it was really like the press really. Um, you know, they they had these these lurid tales of servicemen doing this. And I think that they kind of invented the the whole idea of the key party to kind of make a good story. Now, people probably did it after that story, but it, oh, but yeah, it wasn't actually happening. They made yeah. it up. Every time that I hear the term of like a key party, I think of that movie. I think it was in the 90s called The Ice Storm. And I think it was like Sigourney Weaver or something. And I think it was during like that era. And it does start with like a key swapping type of party. and. I always think of that. Uh, and then there's one more here. And one of the earliest records of a swingers organization was the Sexual Freedom League, bah, 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 which was set up in California in 1963. I'm not surprised that it came from there. <laughs> no, not at all. But still, like 1963, to have a, an organization specifically for swingers um, that was, you know, known and out is pretty crazy. That is I feel like that's early. Yeah. And I also didn't know that like the term swinger came from 
the pilots and World War II, like my fucking grandpa, for Christ's <laughs> sake. He was in the war. Maybe. Granted, he was in forestry, but who who knows what other type of wood he was dealing with? I'm going to hell. I love you, grandma and grandpa. Wow. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we tend to forget that our grandparents were once young and horny. No, because they <laughs> they have a lot of fucking kids. They were doing something. <laughs> True. Um, so in 1963, again in California, uh, <clears throat> we had, uh, oh yeah, so I, sorry, Leah mentioned this, the Sexual Freedom League. And then another um, organization opened called the North American Swing Club, the NASCA, and it was formed to uh, encourage accurate information about swing lifestyles all across North America. So by the 70s, the use of the word swinging, which was non-monogamous sexual activity, uh, was known. But like Leah said, the term wife swapping was more commonly used. And it's a term that continues to be used by the media, but swingers actually have decided that it's it's both an inaccurate and derogatory description of their activities because it really does denigrate women to the status of being a possession that can be swapped at their husband's will. So um, it makes me think of the show. This this is do you remember Wife Swap? Where like the wife would switch families and like they'd pick two extreme families and like send them to each other's houses for like a no. week. It wasn't sexual. It's not on TV anymore, but I'm like, wife swap. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just super disempowering because it's not, it it looks like the woman has no agency that she's just been kind of like just thrown in the mix sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And so by the nineties, swinging had become an organized activity on both sides of the Atlantic. And there were lots of clubs developed uh, dedicated to swingers that were opening. Um, and interestingly, countries like Holland and Germany, Holland unsurprisingly, had the full backing of the local authority and operated uh, these swing clubs totally within the legal system. Yeah, and that's still going on. I used to see like videos on TikTok of the German sex clubs that you can go to. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, we have the internet that happened. And it, of course, opened more possibilities up for swingers. But interestingly, it's thought that it's actually done little to increase uh, the actual amount of swinging that goes on because um, maybe the Internet feeds into the fantasy of swinging, but it hasn't actually increased the numbers of people who go through with it. Mm. No, that makes sense. I mean, it would just be... Yeah, that makes sense. You could watch, you know, BDSM videos on, you know, Pornhub, but it doesn't mean you're into it. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about some of the research around swinging. Only back in 2005, John Stossel produced an investigative news report into the swinging lifestyle, and he found that couples swing in order not to cheat on their partners. When Stossel asked swinging couples whether they worry their spouse will find they like someone else better, one male replied, people in the swinging community swing for a reason. They don't swing to go out and find a new wife. Yeah, that's that seems very true. Uh, a woman quoted in the report said, it makes women more confident that they that they are the ones in charge. Woohoo! And then uh, he also interviewed 12 marriage counselors. So according to Stossel, not one of them said, don't do it, though some said getting sexual thrills from outside of the marriage can threaten a marriage. 
Swingers whom Stossel interviewed said their marriages were stronger because they said they don't have affairs and they don't lie to each other. Uh, Also worth mentioning, in a 2000 study, found swingers reported happiness is higher in their relationships than the non-reported, than the norm (laughs) reported happiness. And 60% said that swinging improved their relationship and only 1.7% said swinging made their relationship less happy. More statistics, approximately 50% of those who rated the relation as very happy before becoming swingers uh, maintained the relationship had become happier, and 90% of those with less happy relationships said swinging improved them. Almost 70% of swingers claim no problem with jealousy, and swingers rate themselves happier and their lives more exciting than non-swingers by significantly larger margins. And also interesting is that there is no significant difference between responses of men and women in this study. That is interesting. I think, though, like, this is, and I mean, we're probably going to get into this, but it's like, it's not just something that you wake up tomorrow and decide that you and your significant other are going to swing without having a conversation. I think that the very happy people that, like, you know, they've got to have their rules set up for themselves of what's a go, what's not a go. And totally, there's a lot of conversation that has to happen, I think, for this to be successful, right? I mean, there's lots of ways you can do it, but, um, you know, I would say, you know, these, these are two studies. This is the information I found. Uh, I don't know if it's a hundred percent accurate because I I do know that, you know, um, in open relationships, which is not necessarily the same thing as swinging, like swinging is really doing this as a couple. Yeah. Um, and you're, it's an activity you do together. So it is different. But uh, a lot of, um, you know, open relationships don't don't survive. And I think that's partly because of communication, jealousy, all kinds of things. And maybe one of the reasons that swingers are happier and their relationships are stronger is because it's something that they do together. But they do together, but, exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I do, like you exactly said, Leah, it's like uh, just waking up tomorrow and deciding to do it. Well, you could do that, but I think you'll have a, a higher rate of success if you take it. Slow. Yeah. I was thinking of the non-happy people that was the listed there, the, you know, that percentage, they're the ones that didn't have those conversations. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and one more thing, just how many swingers are there? Oh, a 2018 study of the prevalence of non-monogamous practices in the United States estimated that 2.35% of Americans currently self-identify as swingers and 4.76% had identified as swingers at some point in their lifetime. Yeah. So. Those are just know, the ones that are admitting admitting to it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Exactly. More. Exactly. And that's not all the people who are practicing non-monogamy. That's just specifically people who identify as swingers. So, yeah. Yes. So, uh, as Leah already pointed out, you might be thinking this is for me, but what are the things we should consider? So, I'll I'll go into a little bit more detail here. So, the most important thing. Sorry, I got to clear my throat just for one sec. Pardon me. Uh, You want to keep an open line of communication. So, so important. And the key to successful swinging or any, any relationship actually is communication between partners, even in like monogamous, you know, communication, communication, communication. So swinging is all about trust and jealousy is pretty, I can almost guarantee it's going to come up. Uh, compersion can take time. Compersion is when we really feel joy at witnessing our partner experience joy with being with another person. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily happen overnight. 
No. And both partners need to be on the same page and feel secure in their relationship and goals. So, you know, if you're curious about this, you should sit down with your partner and be honest about what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what turns you on, what makes you feel nervous, what makes you feel concerned. And um, there's a great book called Opening Up, and I'm forgetting the um, the author's names, but I'll include it in the show notes, which I think gives a really uh, a really good framework to start discussing these kinds of things. Like if you're interested in non-monogamy, uh, working through that book fully before you taking those next steps, I think will really set up really positive foundation um, to like avoid a lot of the pitfalls that can happen. And, uh, and then I also think it's also really important. The communication is like, after every encounter you're talking, like, how mm-hmm. was that? What did you learn? What would you do differently? What did you like, et cetera. And, and you have to keep the communication going. Okay. So next, uh, also really important to establish clear boundaries. So you want to have ground rules about what you're comfortable with. So for instance, like some swingers only allow foreplay or heavy petting. Uh, and the other time, some, you know, encourage oral, vaginal, anal sex while swinging. Some prefer threesomes. Some prefer to go their separate ways and have casual sex separately before coming back together. So you got to talk about this and recognize it will change. So then you can always keep modifying those boundaries, uh, but only move forward when you have a mutual agreement that you both feel comfortable with. Start slow. You don't have to go to a swingers club right away or participate in an orgy in your first experience. Uh, maybe start by watching porn together, browsing, swinging websites, fantasizing, talking about that. And um, yeah, before you kind of take that next step. And also really important is to practice safe sex. So, um, you know, committing to regular testing and you really want to ensure that you and your partner stay healthy. So having that, that'll go in with your clear boundaries as well. Oh, 100%. In this day and age with all the fucking that's going on with Tinder and all of that shit, like diseases are at an all-time high. So bag it up, kitties. Bag it up and go banging. Yep. (laughs) You can have great sex using using condoms and protection. Don't buy into that myth that you can't. Yeah. And so, and again, again, the most important is to keep keep communicating and, uh, um, And I'll just share that, you know, when I work with couples and, you know, some of them are exploring these kinds of things like swinging or, or non-monogamy, some of them aren't, but one of the, we always begin with like clarity and communication. Uh, Every relationship can use an upgrade on that. And so um, it's, I I really enjoy doing that because it's amazing. Like when you start to move into those next levels of, of communication with your partner, um, it's almost like you fall in love all over again because you're just you learn so many things about this person that you actually didn't even really know or understand. So, yeah. And if you want to know more about that, hit me up. Um, and if, if this is the very first time that you've ever listened to our show, like Carla's not pitching to go into your relationship, she's actually this is her field. You yeah. kind of just left that right. out. You're like, when I work with couples. Yeah. <laughs> You might want Thank to like you. give a little bit more clarity. Here. I know. I was just talking about clarity and I did a really shitty job of that. So yes, <laughs> I'm a sex, love and relationship coach. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks, Leah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't call me out because I'm sitting here almost fucking dying trying <laughs> to keep a straight face. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Carly and I guess the then- one to go to. Yeah, thank you. I guess I would say too is like, and you also might try it and decide you don't like it, and that's cool too. 
And you might oh, listen yeah. to this whole thing and be like, what the fuck? This is not for me. Fine. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? At least you know. I mean, there's there's probably all different types of things that like can evolve too. What if you go and one couple when one partner likes it and the other one hates it, then oh boy, that's a conundrum. Yeah. There's a lot of negotiation happening. Oh my goodness. Hmm. Just me and my cats over here at my house, but <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was the quick and extremely fun version of swinging. Yes. Uh, the next time that we're back with the Radical Sex Witches, we're going to be visiting uh, more bad babes of history. And we're going to be talking about the incredible Soviet night witches of the 1940s. And I'm very excited for that. Oh, I love such this a good series. story by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have enjoyed the bad babes of history, we've done two so far. Let us know. Let us know if you like this. Let us know if there's a bad babe you want us to look into. You know how to find yes. us. Yep. Hit us up. Hit us up. Have fun swinging. I'm little Leah. <laughs> and I'm Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. Hello, witchy listener. It's Carla here. If you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life, reach out to me and let's connect on a free call. I love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power, reconnecting to your body, and finding your unique radical sex witch within. Go to CarlaWainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes. Let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on.